0: And discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click Join Us and Become a Member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from Timcast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. This morning, it was reported that First Republic Bank has been seized by the U.S. government and sold to J.P. Morgan. Holy crap, the news broke at like 4 a.m. I wake up, I'm scrolling through Twitter. And it's just like, oh, hey, you know that bank that that was in turmoil that uh, we said was going to be fine because we dumped $30 billion into it. We've seized it and sold it to JP Morgan in the wee hours of the morning, which means this plan was being put together over the weekend. And then they pulled the trigger. First thing, they wanted to get it done before the markets opened. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new banking crisis. Of course, All of our good friends in media will tell us everything's fine and you are happy. But just like in 2008, when they come out and they say you got nothing to worry about, everything's going to be fine. Well, it turns out they're probably not telling you the truth. And to be fair, I don't entirely blame them. You can't go out on a show and be like, the world's ending. The problem is people were pulling their deposits out of First Republic Bank. Now, J.P. Morgan, Morgan is absorbing this bank. And I honestly don't know how that's not going to create a cascade effect. So look, like I get it. When the pundits come out and they say everything's fine, it's because the run on the bank is what destroyed the bank. And they don't want you to go and run on the bank and pull your deposits out. It's a tough, uh, a tough position because I mentioned this last time we were talking about Silicon Valley Bank You know, I I can come out here and be like, ah, you got nothing to worry about, everybody. Everything's fine. It's just a run-of-the-mill seizure of a major bank in this country, one of the biggest. And uh, yeah, I can't do that. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. I think, uh, I'm not an an economic uh, expert, but I don't understand how this doesn't lead to a cascade effect. It seems like what's happening is with Silicon Valley, there was Silvergate, these banks collapsing. First Republic was in serious trouble for the past month or two. And we saw this may be coming. And then last week, as people started pulling the deposits because they got scared, then it happened. A bunch of banks teamed up and dumped money into First Republic, desperate to keep its coffers loaded. But it wasn't enough. And I had people last week saying, Tim, they're not going to seize the bank. That's nonsense. And then first thing this morning, the fear was that they weren't going to be able to stand up on their own as people pulled their money from the bank. JP Morgan absorbed it. Is the argument now that JP Morgan being solvent can withstand the barrage? Or did they just invite the zombie bank into their house and the infection will spread? I do not understand how this will stop the spread. Now, perhaps what they're thinking is the spread's going to happen. If First Republic falls, it's going to have a ripple effect everywhere. And people were worried about this with Silicon Valley Bank. Here's phase two. And so maybe their thought is, look, it's all coming crashing down. If we if we load the bad bank, if we put it into JP Morgan, JP Morgan may crumble as well, but it's big enough to withstand it and hold back the the waters for a short amount of time, buy us some time. To put it simply, they were scared that Silicon Valley would lead to a a cascade effect. First Republic Bank got hit by this. They were worried that would cause it to collapse. Everyone kept saying First Republic is gonna be fine. It's rebounding. The stock is skyrocketing. And then first thing this morning, seized by the US government. Holy crap. My opinion I don't want the banks to collapse. I want us to improve and figure this out. But if the banks collapse, so be it. It's their own fault. The government can't just keep printing money and and, and uh, unlimited reserve loans. And just it's it's a ridiculous system. My personal opinion, JP Morgan will fall. I am not an economic ex- expert and I'm probably wrong, probably wrong because I don't know anything about this. Like I'm just I'm an Internet guy. You know, I can talk to you about uh, what do we got here. Uh, leftist tears. I can talk to you about that. Uh, daily, Daily Wire, <laughs> what are the thermos? What are those things called? Um I can talk to you about rumble. Here we go. Here's, here's the thing. Rumble. Talking to you about finance and economics. I got no idea. My only thing is after we saw Silicon Valley, Silvergate, we see First Republic Bank. I'm kind of like, I'm just seeing banks fall apart. And if this bank is bad and not JP Morgan's got it, why would JP Morgan do better? Why would they? And the argument is. J.P. Morgan wants to expand his footprint into these areas. And by absorbing this bank, it gives them tremendous access and assets. And I'm kind of like, yeah, and you're absorbing all the risks and liabilities that First Republic had too. And if that sparks a fear over J.P. Morgan's inability to properly absorb this, then people, J.P. Morgan customers are going to be hurt by this. And I'll put it simply, I, my, my assumption is, how could a J.P. Morgan customer not be hurt by this? I'm not saying the bank collapses entirely. I'm saying, how could you not, if if First Republic is falling apart and JP Morgan absorbs that, won't that bring down JP Morgan just a little bit, not up? There's a reason why the bank failed. JP Morgan's gonna have to cover costs and put their resources into a failing bank. Wouldn't that lower your standards from from, 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 from your bank? Let's read the news and we'll talk to you about what's going on. We got this from Wall Street Journal. Before we get started, my friends, head over to Timcast.com, click that join us button right there become a member and hang out in our discord server with like-minded individuals and you will also get access to the timcast IRL uncensored show where you as a member get to call in. We do about 4 or 5 callers per night so support us there. Let's read the news. All right, here we go. Regulators seized First Republic Bank and struck a deal to sell the bulk of its operations to JP Morgan Chase & Co. Heading off a chaotic collapse that threatened to reignite the recent banking crisis. Yeah, dude, you stuffed a wad of toilet paper in the hole. I don't think you're you're stopping the waters. JP Morgan said it will assume all of First Republic's $92 billion in deposits, insured and uninsured. It is also buying most of the bank's assets, including about $173 billion in loans and $30 billion in securities. (laughs) JP Morgan's going to blow up. What? How can you assume loans, bad loans from a bad bank? They're trying to slow this thing down. As part of the agreement, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp will share losses with JP Morgan on First Republic's loans. You see, there they go. The agency estimated that its insurance fund would take a hit of $13 billion in the deal. JP Morgan also said it would receive $50 billion in financing from the FDIC. The US government is propping up this deal because the system is imploding. I can't tell you what to do. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Uh I'm 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 about Bitcoin. I already got some. I've been buying some recently because uh yeah, I'm scared to have US dollars. We got this. Let me let me show you. Do I have this story pulled up? Where are we at? Where are we at here? Here we go. This is from April 14th, from the New York Times. International money madness strikes again. The dollar is about to become toilet paper, says Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Get rid of your U.S. dollars now, says Peter Schiff. What? They aren't alone. I'm seeing stuff like this in my inbox lately. Now, some of this is from Weimarists or Weimarists who are always predicting hyperinflation. Schiff, for example, insisted back in 2009 that Obama's administration's policies would cause runaway inflation. It did. It it literally did. Look at the M2 money stock. Let me pull this. People are nuts. Let me pull this up to show you uh, what's going on. And how crazy things are getting. He's like, yeah, well, he said it was going to get bad. Okay, when Obama took over, where are we at? It's kind of hard to make out because the spike is so in- insane. Let's do, uh, M- M1's got a better breakdown of it. So there we go. Take, take a look at this. Around 2008, you get Obama. And then look at look at the, uh, for those that, it, it's visual. So for those that are listening, I'll try to explain it. The money supply is growing, growing steadily for like 40, for 40 some odd years. Then around Obama, the housing crisis, which I don't blame him for, you then start to see a massive uptick from the start of Obama's term. Let's just say where are we at January of 2009. We're at uh, 1,475 billions, and then by the end of his term, we're at double that. We're basically more. Is that that's more than double? 3,452 trillions. And uh, let's just make sure we're getting it precise. It's about 3,400. You look at some of the other presidents and it's like from 1,100 billion, I'm sorry, billions, not trillions, but it's, it's like a, a 1 trillion to 1.1 trillion. You know what I mean? It's, it's it, over a few years, the, the money supply does not grow that much. And then with COVID, the money supply just massively increased. So, uh, yeah. I do think it's fair to say that we got massive inflation. Okay, fine. Maybe it's not Weimar-style hyperinflation where a loaf of bread costs $80. He says, still, as it says on investment prospectuses, past performance is no guarantee of future results, blah, blah, blah. They have a new argument. A number of countries alarmed by the Vladimir Putin, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You get the point. The narrative has been there that the dollar is in serious trouble. The Wall Street Journal says San Francisco-based First Republic, the second largest bank to fail in U.S. history... <laughs> Crap! Lost a hundred billion dollars in deposits in a March run. So we've now seen three of the largest collapses in U.S. history in the span. I mean, the first was in a couple days. This one's a couple months later. They desperately tried to stave this off. Why would it not continue? Okay. Now we're looking at one, two, three. You want me to be confident in J.P. Morgan? I think they're absorbing necrotic tissue. In, in, a, in hopes that a large, healthy body can push out the necrosis. I don't understand how that would be possible. The FDIC is dumping money into this in financing. Desperation. The federal government seized the bank and then financed its sale to JP Morgan. That sounds insane to me at least, not an economic guy. Three of the four largest ever U.S. bank failures have occurred in these past two months. First Republic with some $233 billion in assets at the end of the first quarter ranks just behind the collapse of Washington Mutual. You know, that's it. I had Washington Mutual back in the day. I had an account, and then I remember one day it was gone. I don't remember what happened. I didn't have any money in it. I had like 20 bucks or something. Rounding at the top, our uh, top four are Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, The deal means J.P. Morgan, the largest bank in the U.S., is poised to emerge from the current crisis even bigger. The lender has said it got about $50 billion in new deposits from panicky customers looking to move their money to a a too-big-to-fail bank following March's failures. J.P. Morgan had $2.4 trillion in deposits at the end of the first quarter. So maybe, maybe they'll be fine, right? That's the point. They're saying, actually, First Republic's customers went to J.P. Morgan. So, They're not just absorbing the bank, they absorbed its customers already, so they should be able to withstand some very serious trauma. But I wonder now, the people who fled First Republic, they fled for a reason. JP Morgan buys them up. Aren't these people going to be like, ah, it's back, like the problem is here again? You try to get away. Mm. I wonder how many people are going to be like, I'd rather have my cash under my mattress than in JP Morgan at this point. You're buying up the bad bank that I was fleeing from. We will see. Me, I can only just say that the idea that they're absorb that, that the federal government is financing this deal shows JP Morgan couldn't couldn't make it happen, and the banks bailing them out basically. From Nikkei Asia, there is no banking crisis, says Morgan Stanley CEO James Gorman on April twenty fourth, twenty twenty three. I love this. You ready? This is not another banking crisis, says analysts. March 28th, 2023. But what else do we have? Still not a banking crisis. March 17th from Kroll. I love how, uh, are we in a banking crisis now? No, no. It's just three of the largest collapse of banks in U.S. history in two months. And you want me to, you want me to believe that J.P. Morgan's going to be fine? I don't buy it. I love this one from ABC. Is the banking crisis over? Experts weigh in. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's let's hold on there a minute. April 29th, 2023. Is the banking crisis over? Literally two days later, the second largest banking collapse in history happens. So let me just uh, explain to you how the media is playing this one. First, we have April 24th, 2023. There is no banking crisis. Then we have March 28th not a banking crisis. Then we have March 17th, not a banking crisis. And then two days ago is the banking crisis over. You see what they do? They say over and over again, there's no crisis. Everything's fine. Don't do anything. And then two days right before a collapse of a major bank, they're like, oh, there always was a crisis. You mean to tell me that you actually perceived there as being an actual banking crisis, corporate press, then who are these people saying there wasn't one? What? What's up with that? Lies and deception, I'm afraid. That's the game that they play. Well, our good friend Jim Cramer is undefeated. Take a look at this. On March 10th, Jim Cramer said First Republic Bank was a very good bank. Today, shares at an all-time low, and the Treasury is reportedly working to save the bank. Can't make this up, folks, from bar chart. April 25th. They posted a screenshot from Jim Cramer saying, first, uh, FRC is new focus, very good bank. Oh, man. So I'm sorry. I may not be a finance guy, but when I see you scream at the top of your lungs, there's no crisis. And then when someone reports they may actually seize this bank, the U.S. government is going to intervene. And people are like, no, no, never happen. And then it happens. I'm kind of like, you know, it feels like there's a banking crisis. And uh, why would I want to have any money with Chase? Tell me that. Chase just basically brought a zombie into their home. OK, these banks, they, they, they this is the infection that spreads. That's what they were telling us. They said, we have to take these actions because the infection is spreading. It, it, oh, if we don't bail them out. That's what the FDIC just did. They 50 billion dollars in financing. This is this is a government bailout. It did not work in 2008. I don't believe it will work now. So y'all ready for this? man i i i look like i said earlier on i know the influence of shows like this and you've got people like jim cramer you know why he's telling you it's a good bank cuz he wants you to stay he wants everyone to keep their deposits and calm down but everyone started pulling their money out cuz they got worried the bank wasn't going to survive and it creates a self-fulfilling prophecy so why would anyone then say after all of this i'm going to keep my money in j p morgan chase there's so many other banks to choose from. There's other, other, uh, I don't know. There's other things you can choose from. I'm not going to give you any final financial advice, but I've been, I've been storing value in crypto, mostly in Bitcoin and then very little in others, you know, cause I view a lot of the others as like stocks, but Bitcoin, maybe it's not smart. I don't know. Bitcoin, gold, silver. I try, I'm trying to avoid us dollars. I see inflation. You see inflation. We report on it. I don't know what anyone should do. I don't even know what I should do. It's hard. Really it's scary. You might be better off storing your money in casino chips. Who knows? Those can be converted for something of value. Nah, but they're just representative of the dollar anyway. I don't know. I got no advice for you. You better seek it out yourself. Oh, here we go. Jim Cramer of March 13th. First Republic will open its doors, but it didn't need help to be rescued as regulators stepped in to help things get stabilized. Someone says you are a con and a scammer. Well, yesterday we got this. Charlie Munger reportedly warns of trouble for the U.S. commercial property market. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Charlie Munger reportedly believes there is trouble ahead for the U.S. commercial property market. The 99-year-old investor told the Financial Times that U.S. banks are packed with bad loans that will be vulnerable as bad times come and property prices fall. It's not nearly as bad as it was in 2008, but trouble happens to banking just like trouble happens everywhere else. So are you... uh, you ready for this? Cause I, I don't know if I am, to be completely honest, but I've been at least preparing to the best of my abilities. I think it's probably wise for me to start storing some of my value in other things. I don't know that stocks will make sense. It's gotta be something storing value outside the US dollar. Which I don't I don't know. I have no idea. Could be anything, could be anything. I think for me, again, not for you, for me, crypto makes a lot of sense, namely Bitcoin. You know, interestingly, I met a dude from El Salvador uh, briefly playing poker over at a MGM National Harbor because you know that's what I like to do on the weekends. And uh, so he, someone asked him, he mentioned he was from El Salvador, and then I said, "So, what do you think? How, how's, how's it been going?" And he's like, "It's so good. It's so amazing." He's like, "Probably gonna go back soon." And I was like, "Really?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's gotten so much better." That's Bitcoin, baby. That's Bitcoin in El Salvador. Shout out Max Kaiser and Stacy Herbert. So, man, look, I think. I think they're putting band-aid on a, a bullet wound. I think JP Morgan buying this with a feder- with federal bailout money is stuffing toilet paper in the in the hole as the dam is about to burst. In fact, the dam may have already burst and they're just throwing wave after wave wave of their own men to absorb the brunt. Or I guess a better way to put it is the Titanic has hit the iceberg and it probably happened in 2008. And they were trying desperately to stave off a major economic collapse. But that's why you see the money supply start rapidly increasing. Then COVID, kaboom. Now we're seeing a contraction, which is crazy. Take a look at this. The money supply is contracting. Now, what does that mean? This is, it's crazy. 16 peaking at 20 trillion, then dropping back down. Where's the money going? We should, what does that even mean with inflation still going up? So inflation is is through the roof. But the money supply is shrinking, so things are going to be really expensive and people won't have any money to buy it? I'm not an economic guy, I can't tell you. I just look at all this and I'm like, none of this is normal. I mean, look at this thing, this chart, this ain't normal. It's like, look, look, we've not seen a retraction basically ever. There's a little bit right here, goes from 1.1 trillion a few years later to, you know, 1.7 trillion, then back up. Look at the retraction we're seeing right now. We we hit 16 trillion in May 2020, peaked at 20 trillion, 20.6, and today 18.9 trillion. I got no idea. All I know is none of this is normal. So it ain't business as usual. I know a lot of people are probably going to just say I'm going to keep on keeping on and do whatever I want to do and just mind my own business. You know, I go out to uh we go out to the poker tables on the weekends and uh just hang out, relax, uh, you know. People mistakenly think it's gambling. It's not. It's more like a sport. But I grass. I'm not here to talk about that. No, but I just hang out with regular people. And I think it's really great, actually, touching grass, as they say, to ask regular people how they feel. And uh, these these are just people who are hanging out on the weekends. Maybe they, they came down with the wife and they just want to, you know, play some games. And I get a sense of what regular people are talking about. And you know what I hear a lot? hear a lot of people saying they don't like Donald Trump and they'd rather vote DeSantis. I hear a lot of people, and this is in D.C. saying, this is like just south of D.C. This is a major liberal hub saying they can't vote for Biden, but Trump grinds their gears and they, they just wish DeSantis was the guy. And I find that interesting. I find it very interesting. But I'm also hearing people basically say that the economy is busted. I'm hearing them talk about how they don't know what to expect. The whole thing's in shambles and they think Biden's destroying everything. I don't know what to tell you, man. Don't look at me, I that. I, I'm, not, I'm no economic guy, I'm no finance guy. I'm just looking at this like, well, the bank collapsed, I said that wasn't going to happen. Jim Cramer, do the opposite of what he says, I guess. Ask your financial advisor if Jim Cramer is the right man for you. They'll probably tell you, no way. I suppose we'll wait and see, as per usual. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. The next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel, and I'll see you all then. It has now been a month. One month of Anheuser-Busch reeling from a boycott over its brand Bud Light. And boy, they tried everything. They said, just ignore it and it will all blow over. And then it persisted through Easter weekend. And then they got a little worried and they were like, hey, well, you know, we'll just stay the course. And then at the end of that week, they said, everybody, look, we didn't intend to be divisive. Thank you and have a nice day. And everybody got mad. You see, the left was saying, why aren't you defending Dylan Mulvaney? And the right was saying, why aren't you apologizing for this? And since then, sales of Bud Light have dropped precipitously, and their rivals have gone up. We now have this story. We have a a handful of stories updating you on the matter. My favorite, of course, is that they've hired ex-GOP aides to help them market properly. They've had an emergency meeting. They're planning on dumping millions in marketing to rescue the brand, but they won't apologize. So I will give you a strong go yourselves, Bud Light. I'm not going to support you. Not going to drink your garbage beer I had a yingling the other day. Did you know fast growing trees is the biggest online nursery in the US with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the US? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online And I, we, we had a, we, there was a, a dinner in West Virginia, a special event, and uh, they had a cash bar, no Bud Light, none. Guess what the funny thing is? It was actually in the fridge because the venue had Bud Light, but they didn't put it out. And the bartender was like, well, I mean, if like somebody really wants it, we'll get one for them, but we're not displaying it. And I'm like, there you go. You cannot sell a beer you don't display. People walk up, and they're like a Heineken. But... At this event in West Virginia, I don't think anybody anybody would be buying Bud Light anyway. So now they're panicked. They're going to spend millions of dollars because they think dumping more money into marketing will rescue them instead of telling you, their customer base, that they're sorry for sponsoring an individual who is selling alcohol to children. Look, I know a lot of people are like, oh, we don't like the whole transgender stuff being sent to kids and all that. That's a component. But Dylan Mulvaney's core audience is under the age of 21. And so Bud Light said, we want to get young people. Yeah, they're basically saying they want to market beer to kids. Well, you shouldn't do that. But take a look at this story. Come back, Bud. Indiana Bar pleads for customers to return after telling them they were not welcome for speaking out against trans Dylan Mulvaney Bud Light partnership. Good riddance to a bad problem. The Fairfax Bar and Grill in Bloomington, Indiana, is asking customers to come back amid backlash from their stance on the Dylan mulvaney Bud Light partnership. Oh, I love to see it. These morons. What do they do? They go on Twitter. They see a bunch of weird crackpot far-left cultism. They assume to themselves this is what Americans want, and they espouse it in a pathetic Attempt to virtue signal instead of standing up for what they believe in they virtue signal. And it's backfired miserably because it turns out regular people have real issues with Dylan Mulvaney. And when you defended them, well, now everybody mad at you. I love it. They put out this message. Let me let me read you the uh, the post they put out initially. Look at this. It says, we are well aware of the controversy surrounding Bud Light. We support all people in this establishment, no matter who you are or how you identify. We will continue to sell Anheuser-Busch products, spelled Anheuser wrong, by the way, because we don't care who they make special cans for. If you are intolerant of other humans of any kind, we ask that you keep your opinions to yourself. Should you feel the need to discuss this matter in public, you'll be asked to leave. We will not tolerate intolerance here. I love the paradox. Of, we don't care who they make cans for. If you're intolerant of other humans, you're out of here. It's like you're literally being intolerant of other humans. The paradox. Oh, the failure. Well, they've issued a statement basically apologizing. A lot has been said, some correct. I want to clarify my stance. What I really want to convey is just be respectful. Different opinions are welcome here as long as they're delivered. You reap what you sow. Join the dark side, the bar said. You march in lockstep with psychotic... Zombie cultists, this is what you get. And Bud Light should be warned, Anheuser-Busch should be warned, it is no different at the larger scale. I'm sick and tired of it. I am sick and tired of this Elsa Gate-esque crackpot cultism, where some moron goes on Twitter and says something like, I'm in favor of this ridiculous thing. And then these people all just go, so are we. We all support ridiculous thing for no reason. Do these people have no conscious thought of their own? I hope, you know what I really hope for, which is just never going to happen, that Bud Light as a brand ceases to exist because of this. I know that's not reality. It's not going to happen. But, um, you know, I can dream, can't I? How amazing would it be if Bud Light became just the like a dead brand? Nobody buys it. The sales drop to a point where it just doesn't make sense economically for Anheuser-Busch to continue pursuing it. And then Budweiser follows. Now, I know there's Michelob Ultra and there's Modello and maybe they'll survive. I don't think Anheuser-Busch as a company needs to go under to satisfy my emotions. But if Bud Light just became a bunk brand because of this, I would be oh so happy. You know what else I'd be satisfied with? If no one ever sponsored Dylan Mulvaney again because of how toxic this person is. You know what I think people need to understand? Let me, let me tell you the story right here. Anheuser Bush employs ex-GOP eights for damage control after Dylan Mulvaney fallout. So this is this is offensive. Um I think Anheuser Busch doing this is even more offensive than uh it's 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 adding insult to injury. Instead of just coming out and saying, Yeah, we're sorry for sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney, we won't do it again. They are bringing people in in secret and saying, what can we do? What can we do? We don't want to apologize. We're proud of what we did. They think you are so stupid that they can sit back, laugh, spit in your face, and you'll buy their beer anyway. Well, are you stupid? I don't know. Maybe some people are. Maybe they're just like, well, I guess it's okay now. I just, I just, I can't imagine an American being the kind of person that would walk up to someone who would then spit in their face and then be like, don't worry, I won't spit in your face again. And they're like, OK. And then they get spit in the face again. And then they're like, I guess I'll just stand here. Is that America? Is that is that what Americans do? See, in the, what, what I expect is reasonableness. And I was talking about that scene from uh, Bronx Tale that I saw last week, which I thought was just absolutely incredible. I've never seen the movie. Just saw the clip. And it's the mob boss. There's a bunch of loud, angry bikers. He walks into the bar and goes, what's the problem? And the biker's like, this guy's saying they can't serve us a beer. And the manager is like, they're not dressed properly. And then the biker guy, and they're all in their jean vests or whatever. He's like, look, man, we just like a couple beers. We'll enjoy them. Be on our way. The mob boss goes, spoken like a gentleman. Give these men their beers. And that, that was American. That he's like, you know what? You give me respect. I give you respect. Thank you, sir. You have a nice day. And then the the, the, the biker gang sprays the bartender with the beers and laughs. And he goes, okay, now you got to leave. And then these guys say, F off, we'll leave when we tell you we're leaving. My mob boss walks over, closes and locks the door, and he turns around and goes, No, nah, you just can't leave. And then I love this. He's just like, at that point, they knew they screwed up going in the wrong bar. And then a bunch of a bunch of the, the boys come out with baseball bats and crowbars. Look, I don't, I don't, I'm not an advocate for any of that kind of violence or anything, but the idea of America is this, to me at least, or component of it. We don't take disrespect. In this country, you can be a farmer and you can tell the president, go F yourself. It used to be that you dare defend the king. Oh, they would beat you, lock you up. And we said, no, the poorest man in this country can tell the richest man to screw off and nothing he can do about it. I mean, there's a lot of things you could try to do. You can smear his name, you know, these things. What does he care? The Police ain't going to come and arrest him for it. But in this country, you give, you get respect. And if you break that respect, then we tell you F off. Anheuser-Busch, Bush. day I read the news about what anheuser Bush is doing. It is more of them laughing and spitting in our faces over and over again. At this point, I am satisfied to say I will never, never forgive anheuser Bush. Let me tell you what this is all about. It's a culture war, my friends. They're trying to buy you off. They want you to go and buy their beer, but they don't want to be responsible. They want to be corrupt. <clears throat> they want to be crooked. They want to support bad things. So they see a person like Dylan Mulvaney, who is nails on a chalkboard to the average person, who exemplifies all of the worst things about social media culture. And they prop this person up. And instead of saying we see the folly in our ways, they just say, let's sweep it under the rug and never talk about it and hope that the people who buy Bud Light are so stupid. So effing stupid that they will come and buy our product again because they're morons. That's how I feel. Maybe you don't feel the way. That's how I feel. I feel like behind the scenes, they're saying our audience are so effing dumb that if we ignore this. They'll come back and buy our product because they're stupid. Are you? Me? I'm not interested. I'm sick and tired of all of it. I'm sick and tired of the woke garbage at Netflix. I'm sick and tired of the woke garbage at Disney. And I've reached my wits end. A few years ago, I was was like, I'm not going to boycott Hulu. Hulu put up some tweet about cultural appropriation. I said, it's a stupid tweet. Take it down. I'm not going to shut down my Hulu account over this. I'm done. I am sick of it. These corporations are psychotic, moronic, and elitist scumbags. You want to play this cult crack pottery? I'm going to say, F off. I'm done. I am done with your product. Anheuser-Busch had every opportunity to tell you they were sorry. They did not want to do it. Nah. They would rather just spit in your face. So you know what? You take a look at this bar. I love it. A local bar said, we're going to defend the crackpot psychotic algorithmic nightmare that is the internet and people like Dylan Mulvaney. Not you. <clears throat> and now they're reeling from it. Now they're begging people to come back. Let's take a look at what else is going on here. Bud Light to spend heavily on marketing after Dylan Mulvaney controversy. This is from a few days ago. And Ezra Bush is reportedly planning a major marketing push for Bud Light, as the beer giant scrambles to recover... How about you tweet, we're sorry for sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney. But you know what? It's too late at this point. You are psychopaths. You are nasty people. And you deserve everything you get. And I got to tell you, my friends, if if people want to be associated with Bud Light, if people want to buy this product, let them do it. I am done. Be that person. You got the Bud Light executives taking a piss all over your face. And if you want to drink that garbage, go ahead and do it. Because that's who you are. The kind of person who drops to their knees and says, thank you, Bud Light. May I have another? I'm done. I'm just, I'm, I'm done. Ben Steinman, editor of Beer Marketers Insights, told the New York Post that Anheuser-Busch executives informed distributors this week in a closed-door meeting in Washington that the company will spend heavily on the brand after spending fell off a cliff last year. Okay.
1: This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com.
0: Look at this. Now what's happening? Anheuser-Busch faces call to reaffirm support for trans community. Let's see where they go. Let's see where they go. <clears throat> the human rights campaign is calling on anheuser Bush, the maker of Bud Light, to publicly reaffirm its support for the trans community following weeks of right wing pushback. It's not right wing pushback. That's what they don't get. These people represent a microscopic portion of this country and brands keep marching in lockstep behind them. But I tell you this, my friends, this is what I, t- I, t- I said in the earlier segment on the, on the weekends. I'll go out to, uh, you know, MGM or Maryland Live, hang out with with regular old people at the poker table. I bring a Bud Light, they all start laughing. Nobody's, nobody's drinking it. It's not even, I don't even know if they know about what's going on. It's just become a meme. You don't want to be seen drinking it. That's what you represent to all these middle-aged guys and young men who want to look like they're tough. You say to them, if you drink this Bud Light, they look like they are gay. I'm not saying it as an insult. I'm saying they look like they are men who like men. Now, whether you care about whether men like men or otherwise, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it as an insult. I want to make sure that's clear. I'm saying quite literally men are being told this is the beer for homosexual males. These young guys, they don't want to be associated with that. They don't want to look like that. These older guys, they don't want to be associated with that either. That's what your brand marketing has done. So, OK. All right. And as Bush. You got one of two options. You can do what the human rights campaign says, reaffirm your support and make sure everyone knows that Bud Light is the beer of being men, a man who likes a man. And you know what? To all the gay men who want to drink Bud Light, man, you go for it. Absolutely. I mean, I don't. you, you buy the product you want for everybody else. I don't know. Maybe you could take like a yingling or something. Maybe they don't sell it in your area. I don't know. Coors is available. And you know what's important? I point this out. I pointed this out to the regular people I was talking to. We were at the, I was at MGM National Harbor, and these guys were livid over Bud Light. I'm not kidding. Not an exaggeration. Go hang out and hear what these guys have to say. They were like, fire them. Fire the executives. I, uh. They believed the executives were fired. I said, The executives were not fired. They're like, Yeah, they were. They were fired. I read that. I was like, no, they were put on leave. They're going to try and bring them back and hope this blows over. Like what? No, I heard they were fired. I'm like they weren't fired. They were put on leave. And they're like, huh but they were pissed. They were just outright pissed off. These guys didn't know anything about politics. So okay, Bud Light. The regular dudes chilling at a casino, ordering a beer. Lady walks by, says anybody want a drink? Ain't nobody ordering your beer. By all means, by all means, do your thing. I don't care that Coors Light has made pride flag ads. I don't care that Jack Daniels sponsored was had RuPaul's Drag Race people. I was like, oh, I don't care about that. Adults can do what adults do. I am not a staunch conservative. But Dylan Mulvaney is nails on a chalkboard. Dylan Mulvaney is marketing booze to children. Dylan Mulvaney is an algorithmic expo- person who exploits the algorithm for fame. And so fine, fine. You know, I am I'm, I'm I feel like, you know, going in circles. But here we go. We got more news. Let me see if I can pull this one up. Dylan Mulvaney speaks out after Bud Light controversy. A lot has been said about me, some of which is so far from my truth. You see what this is? Dylan Mulvaney, let me tell you. I hope regular people who don't know what's going on here. I hope you share this with your Democrat aunt and uncle. Let me tell you about Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is not transgender. Dylan Mulvaney is a character played by an actor who is trying to be famous. And like any actor who gets plastic surgery, that's what Dylan Mulvaney does. Dylan Mulvaney has the blind support of groups like the Human Rights Campaign, despite the fact that Dylan Mulvaney is not transgender. Now, of course, you may be saying, What are you talking about? I watched the video. Dylan Mulvaney's a male who's just like oh. Dylan Mulvaney mocks trans people relentlessly with vigor and gets support from the corporate press because that's what the algorithm says and wants. But I assure you, when Dylan Mulvaney sings a song about having a bulge sticking out of his pants, that's not what trans people do. When Dylan Mulvaney wears hiking heels in the woods and falls down screaming, "Ooh, a bug. Is that what women or trans people are supposed to be? So this is what really pisses me off. What pisses me off is that we're facing a crisis. Social media is propping up the most insane garbage. People doing weird, crazy things. Well, for a while, big tech was trying to capture this and shut it down. Things like Elsagate, Dylan Mulvaney, is the uncanny valley of Elsagate that gets by, and they're scared to ban. Or maybe TikTok wants to spread this kind of, you know, brain-melting algorithmic nonsense. And then what happens is these big brands see 10 million followers, and they sponsor it. Okay, well, you know what? I'm on board with sponsoring any brand now. Nike? Yeah, I'm done. Never liked Nike in the first place. Now? Okay, I will never purchase a Nike product ever again. I know the Colin Kaepernick thing was a big—I didn't care as much. Now, with this Dylan Mulvaney, okay, whatever, later. Maybelline, I don't wear makeup, but I'm going to advocate everybody avoid that product. I want every product that decides to sponsor the algorithmic mess, that is the Dylan Mulvaney channel, to lose because of it. I don't have any beef with Dylan Mulvaney as a person, personally, but I think what Dylan Mulvaney does is despicable. I think Dylan Mulvaney is nails on a chalkboard to the average person. I think Dylan Mulvaney is the banality of evil. My truth. Okay. Dylan Mulvaney is exploiting the current state of trans politics to become famous. So desperately to be famous. Mocking trans people and women in the process. And the left is a, is, is a mess of psychotic monster cultists that latch onto this stuff and march, march with it. It exemplifies everything. Racism, bad thing. Of course, we don't want racism. We don't want segregation. We want people to be friends. So what does the left do? Latch on to anything the social media algorithm argues is their side. So when the left starts setting up these POC, non-POC meetings, meaning racially segregated meetings, and the photos are all over the place, the left defends it and says, that's not, that's that's fighting racism. That's right. Bringing back segregated spaces to the left is fighting racism. Dome represents all of that. And that's enough, I say. I'm just done. I will boycott everything. We launched our own coffee brand, Cast Brew. You got Jeremy's Chocolate. I got chocolate bars all over the place. We're going to start making our own companies. And the left, they can scream and cry and be like, stupid, conservative chocolate. That's dumb. Don't No, don't care. I'm just, I'm just not buying yours. So I bought 2,000 chocolate bars from Jeremy's Chocolate. And I hope Jeremy Boring of The Daily Wire takes that money from the chocolate bars I bought, from all the profits. I hope he throws it onto his bed and jumps in that pile of money. He deserves it. I ordered 600 cans of conservative dad's Ultra Light beer, and I don't drink beer, but other people might want to. And I sure as heck ain't going to carry any Bud Light. We have Cast Brew Coffee. Go to castbrewcoffee.com. Purchase our coffee. Because it's about time we just say, if they ain't gonna stop doing it, we're gonna start. We're gonna make our own companies. Cass Brew Cafe is currently being built. We've been clearing stuff out, we're we're building the plumbing. We've been talking with, we just just had a meeting with state government about setting up our own social club. We want poker. We might not be able to get poker. It's a silly nonsense thing, but I'll talk about it. Oh, boy, do I got another story for you. A man won the Women's Poker uh, World Poker Tour event, which is really funny. But uh, we want to have that. Maybe we won't. But we're going to set up the social club. Why? We're going to create our own spaces. We're going to make our own products because there's no there's no point in waiting for Anheuser-Busch to do the right thing. They're scumbags. They have outright said they would rather spend millions of dollars than just tell you they value you as a customer. They don't want you to think that. They just want to be like I ain't saying nothing to you. Screw you. Buy my beer. I say no. I won't. Seth Weathers, conservative dad's ultra right beer is what I bought. That's what I'm. That's what I'm buying. Ultra right beer, small brewery. I'll take that. And I hope I hope Jeremy Boring in the Daily Wire make their own brewery. They're in Nashville. They can buy a honky tonk. They can set up their own brewery and they can have Shapiro Brew or whatever they want to call it. Jeremy's beer. I'll buy that too. Anybody who says we believe in American values, go to PublicSquare.com. Shout out to our good friends, PublicSQ.com. Download the app, support those businesses. The businesses that say outright, we are here for American values. Because I am sick of all of it. CNN writes, they should stay the course. They should partner with Dylan Mulvaney. They should push forward because in the end, they'll win. That's what they think. And let me tell you, Colin Kaepernick took a knee. Everybody burns their Nike gear. Three years later, every athlete is taking a knee. And it's controversial to be the one athlete standing up for America. How did we let it get that bad? So I am done. And I urge all of you, seek out actively brands that support America. I'm not a staunch conservative. I'm at a meeting with a bunch of conservatives saying a prayer the other day. And I'm like, that ain't me. That's not who I am. But you know what? We agree as Americans on American values. You may be Christian. I may not be. I do believe in God. I always stress that because for some reason, people call me an atheist. But we may have different beliefs in terms of faith. You may think that's very bad. But we agree on American values and a certain moral framework I agree with as well. We allow for different opinions. And that's the fault of the liber the, the liberty faction, the freedom faction, conservatives, libertarians, etc., we say to the left, we, we, we disagree with your opinions, but we believe in your right to express them, and they don't return the favor. So enough, enough, enough. I won't support them. I won't support their businesses. I'll boycott all of them. I hope you do the same. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. You're going to want to gonna want hear this one. A man winning the women's poker tour, the ladies event, and he did it to make a point. Got a lot to talk about there. So uh, thanks for hanging out, and we'll see you all at 4 p.m. on this channel. The World Poker Tour is upon us. And the World Poker Tour Ladies event has concluded with a new champion. And that champion's name is uh, where Dave Hughes. Hey, wait a minute. That doesn't sound like a lady's name. It's because it's a man. That's right. A man won the Ladies World Poker Tour event at Seminole Hard Rock. Bravo, good sir. I love this one because... um. I was actually uh, playing poker this weekend and I've been playing quite a bit. And then I see this tweet go out that a man entered the women's event and he did it explicitly to say, you can identify as anything you want. And so we actually ended up winning $5,500. And here he is. (laughs) It's an old bald guy with a big white beard and he won. Apparently he was overheard saying By another pro, you can identify whatever you want, so I can identify as a woman and enter this contest and win. And everybody got mad? Now hold on there a minute. How could you get mad at this man, but not mad at any other man that enters a woman's sporting event? It's absurd. Because this guy doesn't share their psychotic ideology, and there it is. Because he did it to mock them, he's a bad guy. But if he did the exact same thing, and just said, I am a woman, everybody would say it's okay. But by pointing out the hypocrisy and the absurdity, well, now, you got yourselves a little problem, don't you? Let me read you this story. And then I got some news for all of you. From PokerNews.com, man wins ladies event at the World Poker Tour Seminole Hard Rock Poker Showdown. On Saturday night, day 1B of the World Poker Tour. $3,500 $3,500 Seminole Hard Rock Poker Showdown was taking place in the main ballroom at the Seminole Hard Rock in South Florida. Across the hall, event number 48, $250 ladies in No Limit Hold'em was also playing out. That tournament attracted 83 entries and offered up a $17,430 prize pool. Unfortunately, one of the competitors was a man, Dave Hughes, who wound up winning it For $5,555 per state law, management is unable to bar a man from entering a ladies' event in Florida. Bravo. That's your non-discrimination stuff. Ebony Kenny documented the whole ordeal on Twitter, saying, playing at the World Poker Tour ladies' event, and Dave here is the only man. While we appreciate the dead money, I really wish men would get what these events stand for. So I put a $300 bounty on him and Tamra and Noah uh Peterit matched it let's get them all right let me break something down for you dead money oh boy they're insulting this guy dead money means money that is put into the pot that you you don't get back you're out of the game so uh i'm not a poker pro or anything like that i have just been playing for a few months so forgive me all those poker enthusiasts if i if i if i get some of this wrong Try to explain the best of my ability, and anybody can correct me in the comments and would be greatly appreciated. Dead money is typically like you have people sitting around a table. Someone gets a pair of cards, and they say, you know what? I like these cards. They're okay. They're not the best. I'm going to bet $10. Then the next guy to his left says, I got the best cards in the world. I'm going to bet $100. That guy who bet $10 bucks folds is no longer in the game, and that money goes in the pot dead. He doesn't get it back. He can't win it. And now that money is available to the other players to win. What they're basically saying is that Dave put his money into the tournament and would lose. But he won. (laughs) Okay. Others graciously contributed to the bounty, including Jeff Platt, Michael Burke, Jake Farrow and Frank Stapuchin and even Hughes himself. The spirit of this has been fun since we're here now, Kenny said of the bounty. According to Kenny, Hughes began the heads up match with a six to one chip lead and asked for the one hundred dollars back he contributed for his bounty. He's now down three to one in chips and has talked completely disrespectfully to the dealer. Nice guy facade has crumbled. So let me break that down. Heads up means one on one. So he gets down to the end of the tournament with him versus some other woman. A six to one chip lead. It's pretty obvious. That's how much, you know, any points he had to wager the victory did not sit well with many in attendance, and understandably, there was some harsh criticisms on social media. Let me show you this. The Daily Wire picked up the story, and they included a tweet from Ebony. Actually, I think I have the tweet. Ebony said, uh, so here's here's the video of the guy. Let me let me play the video for you. Let me see if I can get some sound here.
1: Oh, yes. All right. We have Dave here, and he, I don't know if you can tell here, he's the
0: only guy in this lady's event, so I put a $300 bounty on his head. And then Tanra and her husband matched it. So there's a $600 bounty on 600. his head. He's already busted twice. So we love him for that. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> he ended up winning. Good luck. Not really. <laughs> and everybody was kind of mad that he did it. She tweets this. Let's put a bounty on him. Someone says, maybe Dave identifies as a female. Have you thought of that? Ebony responds. Maybe Dave was overheard saying, he could pretend to identify as a woman because they allow anything nowadays. And may, and by maybe, I mean 100%. Someone responded, it seems as if all the ones who are screaming for trans athletes to be banned are also the ones saying, you can't ban me. Hmm. And here we are. This is what goes down. Dave Hughes winning $5,555. Wow. A $250 buy-in? Is that what it was? And he cashed out something fierce around 20 times his buy Bravo, sir. Wider Poker Community Reacts with uh, Linda Johnson. I love ladies-only poker tournaments. I would have no problem with them having a men's only, and I wouldn't enter it as I would not qualify for it. Now, I'm going to break some stuff down about poker for you. Gonna, I'm going to explain to you why this matters. Why do they have a ladies' event? I believe there's like one top female player, like one. There's a handful of, you know, well-known female players. And I think in terms of like the top tier, it's a, it's a, it's a nebulous uh, descriptor. I mean, I could say like top 50 or something, but I don't know for sure. Uh, Vanessa Selps, I believe is her name. Again, I'm not, I've only been playing poker for a couple months. I, I, I mean, uh, t- to be fair, I've been playing poker basically all my life, but only uh, um, consistently in the past few months have I actually decided to learn how uh, and actually go out and hang out with people and play some of these games, mostly just for fun, low stakes, nothing crazy. I'm actually doing fairly well. I'm up. My bankroll is up. Um, I think I'm decently good enough. I don't know. I win. Uh, but it's a skill game, not a game of chance. And what people need to understand is that a guy competing against women, I'm not surprised to see the guy won. My understanding is that um, you, look at, you, look, you look at a sport like skateboarding, and I can tell you exactly why. I can scientifically break down for, for you why it is that men skate at a higher level than women. Now, I'll do it for you. Uh, Higher center of gravity is a major advantage in skateboarding, as well as fast twitch muscle and muscle mass. And uh, that gives men a major major advantage. Now, I've heard women try to make the argument that a lower center of gravity in skateboarding is advantageous for balance reasons, but they are wrong because men can crouch, lowering their center center of gravity and improving their balance. So men having a higher center of gravity when they jump can suck their legs up and clear higher gaps and distances thus jumping higher effectively than women who have to push their center of gravity higher and don't have as much leeway then there's fast twitch muscle which is a, an obvious thing you can jump higher but my point is this skateboarding it's obvious right physical activity people don't understand about why in poker would a man do better than a woman couldn't a woman just it's a, it's a game of chance isn't it well it's not a game of chance it's a game of strategy math and aggression and I'm sure there's people who are better than me. You ask the pros, they'll define it better. But what, I, what my understanding is that men are more aggressive than women. In general, we know that. So that translates into poker. Let me let me, let me let me tell you, just for my limited rookie experience playing the game. Again, I'll say it again. It's a game of skill. It's a game of ability and knowledge and reading people. Obviously, everybody knows about tells and all that stuff. And um, if you're a guy and uh, uh, let's say... You're dealt two cards. You're playing Texas Hold'em, which is what everybody sees when they watch poker. It's the Cadillac of poker, they call it. You get two cards. You get, let's call it, uh, let's say nine, nine, ten suited. Okay. Meaning you have a nine of spades and a ten of spades. Most of you probably know cards. Some of you probably are really good at poker. It's a, uh, it's decent. You know, it's a, it's called a suited connector. Is it going to net you the top pair, the strongest hand? Mm, it's tough. It could draw into, meaning, The cards that come on the board could make the hand stronger. Now, let's say this. You get that hand, and it's like, "Eh, eh, eh, it's a good suited connector. Gives you some opportunities there, and you want to bet on it. So the guy says, you know what? I'm going to bet 50 bucks. At the other side of the table is a woman, and she gets dealt king-queen suited. Much better than nine ten, right? You can make some top pairs. You can get a Broadway draw, even a Royal Flush maybe. You got some good opportunities there. The woman calls the bet, meaning that when the guy says, "I'm going to bet $50 on this medium to strong hand," she says with this strong, really strong hand, "I'm just going to see it." Typically, a man would be more aggressive and say, "I'm going to bet more." Trying to simplify it, men being more aggressive means they're more in they're more likely to take a risk in calling bets and raising bets, and women are more likely to just flat call a bet, meaning in the long run, they will win less money. You can argue that they might lose less, but if you're not playing to win and you're not playing your hands tight and aggressive, you're probably going to get beat, especially in tournaments like this. Hence, a headstrong man who's aggressive and pushing and throwing money is going to exude that force on a poker table. You got to be aggressive. And so, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I'll tell you, When I'm playing, the worst times to play are when you're being passive. You know, you get a hand and you're like, it's pretty strong. I'll just call. Well, the other player is going to start throwing more money at you. They're going to exude confidence. And you're going to be thinking about it like, this guy's so confident. He's probably got it. He's probably got the best guy, Royal Flush. And it turns out he had nothing. He just was more confident than you. And you were scared. So that's what happens when it comes to these poker games, why it matters that they do a ladies event, because women play the game differently. But therein lies the issue with all sports. We do not have women's sporting events because sometimes people wear dresses. We do it because males and females are different, even in poker, even in chess. Strategy and play styles are very different. Well, there you have it. Now let's talk about poker. Cuz I'm going to give you guys an update on what we're working on with the social club and where I normally will do these segments, maybe they'll be shorter, maybe longer. I'm going to I'm going to go long cuz I got a lot to talk about. And this may um I don't know, maybe you care, maybe you don't. We're building a social club and a coffee shop. Okay, cuz I want to build culture. We got Free Damistan show launching soon with an explosive professional skateboarder video part, I hope. <laughs> I think that's where we're at. And um, bringing on a, a big name pro to launch this new facility, where we're going to do awesome skateboarding, biking, scooting, blading, all that good stuff. Big airbags, bungee jumping, just fun shenanigans. Throwing frisbees into basketball nets and other crazy shenanigans. That's in the works. We uh, we're about to acquire a, 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 a pro skateboard part. I'm hoping and uh, launch that show very soon. As the new West Virginia facility is just about ready to go. I'm very excited. And uh, in that regard. We are doing another cultural endeavor, which is our coffee shop, Cast Brew Cafe, which is uh, you can go to castbrew.com and purchase our first coffee blends, Rise with Alberto Jr. Now available. We got a couple new ones coming out soon. The second and third floor are going to be our social clubs. These will be a, this will be a private, independent business where you pay a membership fee to hang out. The second floor is probably going to be decently cheap. The third floor is going to be like elite tier. If you're a TimCast member, there is a partnership we will have with the private club, which basically means you get access to the club if you're a TimCast.com member or a member of the club itself. Although club members will probably have slightly different perks and things. We're just saying like we're going to add a value or like the TimCast.com elite members at $100 or more have like unfettered access to basically everything. They're like beta testing our app and stuff like that. But uh, we're doing this club and we want to have poker. We want to do poker because we want to launch a show called Poker with the Boys. Let me explain why this matters. Somebody asked Congressman Troy Nails on our show if he would play video games on Twitch like Among Us. AOC did it. It was widely popular. And I got to tell you, that sounds cringe. I mean, having a Texas sheriff Republican play Among Us on Twitch? Now, what if we had a Texas sheriff turned congressman smoking a cigar playing a game of Texas Hold'em with the boys? That would be humanizing culture building fun and funny. And we'd bring in whoever else played, maybe Matt Gates, Ted Cruz. I hear these guys are big poker enthusiasts. Poker's really popular. Bring in Carrie Lake and anybody interested in playing a game, having fun. And poker is just the backdrop. It's the game we play as we hang out and humanize and build culture. Unfortunately, in West Virginia, it's illegal. And this is where we're at right now. Let me just say right now, people are I, I've talked to people, I've been I've been lobbying, as it were, telling people poker is not gambling. Literally not gambling. And a lot of people just don't get it and don't believe it. I I, I think it's because games like so first, let me let me define this: three-card poker, four-card poker, uh heads up hold'em at casino table games, those are gambling. You know why? Because you wage your money, you get dealt cards and then you cross your fingers and hope you win. Game of chance. There's limited to no skill involved. I mean, a little bit. Like if you're playing blackjack, it's like 90% luck. You know when to hit and when not to hit if you know basic strategy, but that's basic. The dealer will tell you basic strategy. You could sit down at a blackjack table, put down your 15 bucks. He gives you the cards. You say, what should I do? And I'll say, book says do this. You go, okay. And if you win, you win. If you lose, you lose. You go to the craps table. You put down 25 bucks. You roll the die. Did you win? Oh, good luck. That's a game of chance. Poker, not so much. If you sit down, play Texas Hold'em, and you've never played before, you will lose all of your money instantly with no chance of winning, period. Now, maybe you have like a 1% chance of winning. Like, you can sit down at at, at a Hold'em table, get thrown pocket aces, be confused, shove all your money in, say, I just, I'll bet all of it, I'm all in, whatever. And then turns out you get a full house, you get a good hand. And by luck, you ended up winning but that's minimal. And things like that can exist in any game, games like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic the Gathering. So here's where we're at. Um, I think the bans on poker in West Virginia are completely unconstitutional as the state is outright refusing to enforce the law as it pertains to any trading card game. Now, you may be, you're going to have people say, Tim, Magic the Gathering Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! Those are skill games. You build the deck. You shuffle it up. You get the cards. You got to play them right. Sure. What's the difference between that and Texas Hold'em? In Texas Hold'em, you're given two cards. You assess the strength and value. You determine the person you're playing against. You're trying to figure out if they're lying to you, if they actually got it. It is very strategic. And then you say, you know what? I am not going to wager any money at all. I fold my hand. Meaning, get this. If you go to a game shop for Friday Night Magic, Magic the Gathering, of course, is a card game, they say it's $20 to enter the game. You wager that $20. You then hope that your card draw is strong enough and your play is strong enough that you will win the tournament. And what do you get? Something of value, store, credit, product, or otherwise. According to West Virginia law, that is outright illegal gambling. Now let's talk about poker. You know, people are going to say, dude, but obviously it's not so much the random chance of the cards. I mean, it is random, right? The cards are shuffled. You don't know what you're going to get, but you build the deck so that you account for the variance. That same thing as poker. Let me tell you this. I can sit down at a poker table and this is something people probably don't understand. Go to MGM National Harbor, go to Maryland Live, pick a casino, go to the Borgata, go to the MGM, go to their poker room, get some money. Sit down at one of their hold'em tables. Let's play say it's 1 2 no limit hold'em, all right? And they're going to say do you want to buy the button or wait for the button to pass? Yeah, wait for the button to pass. That means you're going to wait for your proper turn. Or you can you can make a bet, you can pay, you can pay so that you can just jump in the game. But let's say this. You say I don't want to pay any money. Okay. You wait. Then the button passes you. It's the dealer button. It's the it's how the turns are calculated. The dealer will then give you two cards for free. I don't got to spend any money. I can look at them and then say, I fold. Spending zero dollars, I wagered nothing to start that game. You can do that six times until the blinds, the, the blind bets come to you. And then you can say, I get up. And I'm leaving. Thank you for your time. Without spending a single penny, you can play six hands of Texas Hold'em. I believe six is the right number. Maybe five, because the button passes you. Five hands for free. And you can wait until you get the best possible hand, choosing your odds to play strategically, and then put up the chips to play the game. Big difference between how these card shops are running Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Magic the Gathering events. Now, of course, you could argue you could play a poker tournament, but it's all illegal gambling. So my point is just this. In terms of the personal stuff that we're working on, poker, squarely a game of skill. In fact, I do not even accept the argument from some pros in poker that luck is involved. Sorry, I just don't account for that. That's like saying that American Ninja Warrior... Has luck involved? Because sometimes they might put an obstacle there you've not trained for, and you're unlucky and that it came up, and someone else was better able to utilize it. Look, well, come on, variance exists in all sports. Is 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 football luck? Because sometimes it rains or snows. No, get out of here. You account for all of that when you're playing hold'em or pot limit Omaha, whatever game you're playing. In terms of player versus player, you know, round table poker games, the fact that. There is a probability that you lose is part of the game, just like Magic the Gathering Pokemon or otherwise. So my question is, how is it culturally that West Virginia, that any other state is allowing card games where you draw at random and then apply your skill and knowledge to the variance of the cards to try and win? That's not gambling, even though you got to pay money up front. But Texas Hold'em, PLO, another game, Pot Limit Omaha, a similar game. These games are illegal gambling, controlled by casinos and the Lottery Commission. I would make this argument, and I actually have, that either Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh! Magic the Gathering should be enforced as illegal gambling, or Texas Hold'em style games specifically should be exempt from the gambling criteria of the state. I've made my argument, and one of two things is going to happen, and so let me me make this uh, announcement. Many of you may not care, so whatever. If you do, hear me out. If you care about what we're working on in terms of culture. We got the skateboarding stuff going on. Skateboarding, BMXing, blading, scooting, all of that fun shenanigans. We don't got anything to worry about. The facility is built. We are building culture. It's happening. We're getting started. This will be a big year for us. Social club, we want social club events. We want I uh, cringe, maybe it's cringe, like a man cave style, like people hang out, have an old fashioned, smoke a cigar, watch the game, play some poker with the boys. We make a show about it. We build that culture. We got to win on a legal front if we're gonna make this happen. And I'm gonna make this happen. So one of two things is about to happen. In fact, both may happen. I'm already talking with the state government about legislation specifically outlining that games like Texas Hold'em are skilled games and not regulated under the the gaming laws in that Hold'em, in, so we, w- what might happen is the legislation might be 10 games specific. There, there's games like Texas Hold'em, Crazy Pineapple, uh, Raz, uh, High Low, Pot Limit Oma. All of these games are considered games of skill and not games of chance. However, games like three-card poker against the house, we would define and carve out these games. There's big interest in West Virginia in allowing us to do this because they they understand we're going to start building culture a show will bring people to the state and we want to create we want to create a, a, a culture and obviously you watch poker on ESPN you watch the European poker tour you can the one way to, to easily define the uh, to understand why poker is a uh, skill game is that you can say who the best players in the world are as opposed to like craps you can't right so here's my announcement we are pursuing a lawsuit against uh West Virginia this is very preliminary um West Virginia is well aware that we are and uh they're not angry about it it's just the way things work they say, look this is the law we follow it strictly and i said i believe it is unconstitutional to violation under the 14th amendment maybe i you know I'll, I'll talk to my lawyer about it that the state allows trading card games where children will put up 20 bucks to enter a tournament play a game where you draw cards hope you get good cards and then win store credit. Now, I know that's an oversimplification, but I'm using the same interpretation they would use for, say, Hold'em that I will use for, for Pokemon or otherwise. Some would argue, yeah, but when you play Pokemon, you don't put money up per turn. You want to talk about cash game versus tournament games, fine. But poker tournaments are also illegal. A tournament is where you pay 100 bucks to enter, you get an arbitrary amount of chips, and you wager chips in the game. and Whoever has the most chips in the end wins, or if all the other players are eliminated that is also illegal. And it's regulated under the the, the, uh, the lottery commission. Why are they allowing across the state hundreds of locations to operate these games, but poker is specifically isolated? I think it's because there's an archaic interpretation of what Texas Hold'em is. to skill game. Maybe it's not the same as, say, Magic the Gathering, but it's very, very, very similar. Now, of course, poker involves putting chips up every every betting phase, and games are much shorter. A hand is more of a game that gets shuffled and put away, whereas with Magic, a game can last 40 minutes to an hour. My argument is, if you have to pay 10 bucks to even play the first game in Magic, Pokemon, or Yu-Gi-Oh!, but in Texas Hold'em, you can sit down and be given cards for free, I'd argue one's more gambling than the other. But either way, I want them to define exactly how it is that they can regulate one and not the other. I have here pulled up the, the laws. I've been looking at the West Virginia laws, and I can tell you right now literally, Pokemon Yu Gi Oh! And, and Magic the Gathering are illegal gaming and gambling. It is a card game, that's what the law says card game, with chance that uh, someone would pay money, wager money, in an effort to win something of value in any capacity. So that's what it is. And I'll give you an example. Magic the Gathering is a trading card game. Many of you may be hurt. Maybe I've maybe heard of. I play what's called the booster draft. You pay, you pay, what is it? I think I paid like 50 bucks or something like that because it was a big tournament and then you get, I think, it was, I can't remember what it was. I think it was 40 or 50 bucks. I could be wrong. Maybe it was more than, it might've been hundred. I don't know. I don't remember. remember. You are given sealed packs of random cards. You open them up and then, no, 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 actually let's, let's do this. I played, a, it's called a sealed tournament. You are given sealed cards you open up, you build a deck with whatever you get. I ended, The guy who won the tournament just so happened to be very lucky, and he got epic rares in his sealed packs. Nobody else did. I mean, one or two people did. But then it's like, that was random. That's gambling. Is it fair that he got ridiculously powerful rare cards in his packs? Well, is it fair that your opponent gets pocket aces, the strongest hand in poker, and you get a crappy hand? In poker— even if your opponent has better cards you can still win if you play correctly. In Magic the Gathering that's somewhat true but man if, you know, if somebody's got a planeswalker epic rare or something you're playing against them they can crush you. But hey, same is true for aces. Even if they play poorly they could they have a stronger chance of winning. I don't see I don't see the difference. I'm not going to ramble too much on this but my point is just this. We're doing a lot. Coffee shop, skate shop and show, skate park. Social Club. This is the update on what we're doing with the Social Club and the battle that we're about to engage in. Uh, now, I'm getting support from uh, the state uh, politicians. They agree my argument's correct, and it's just going to take a year or longer to get the, the the law to reflect that. My argument right now is, sure, okay, then why are you discriminating against us in our skill-based card game, but not the other skill-based card games? I'd like to hear an answer. I got a lot of other arguments in this regard, too, but those are the simple ones. And I talked off the ear of many politicians, and they were like, I think you're right. I think you're right. And we'll see what happens. I think the uh, the, the lottery commission and the casinos are going to say, no way we own this game because it's a sport owned by casinos. Casinos. I th- I, I I believe outright that uh, uh, Hold'em, specifically, and, and games like it, these poker games, they're sport, not chance. It's not like you roll a die. You take the best poker player in the world, and you take the you, know, you take the best football player in the world, the best skateboarder in the world, you take a, 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 a scientist and a guy who gambles 5,000 hours per week, and you play craps, and it is random who wins. You take the best poker player in the world and, a, and an astronaut, and you put them at a poker table, and I tell you the poker pro will win, period. No question. None. I'll leave it there. Long ramble. But uh, I'm really excited about this, and it's a fight we're engaging in. And if you're someone who's an enthusi- a poker enthusiast or a fan, I know there's a lot of you because you guys come up to me when I'm, when I'm at the poker rooms. and You say, what up? Uh, we're probably going to need some help. But uh, I don't see this as an attack on West Virginia. I see the people of West Virginia actually agree with me. And now we go through the process, the legal process by which we challenge this and then legalize within a limited capacity the right to have a social poker club. I don't want widespread gambling everywhere where people are playing dice in the streets. I think gambling should be regulated to a certain extent, or I shouldn't say that. I actually don't. But I think it's fine that they do regulate it to a certain extent, like craps and stuff to these facilities, you know, not having them be just everything everywhere. But I don't see uh, poker as a, as a chance game. I see it as a skill game, as evidenced by I got a bankroll app tracking how much I've been making, and it's funny because you know when I talk about playing poker, I get these people in the comments say Tim's got a gambling problem, but ain't gambling, bro. I'll show you my, my my bankroll. I'm up, up, up. In fact, I'll ju- I I think this weekend um, I averaged something like seven hundred dollars per hour, like it was ridiculous. I, the, to be fair, I had a good streak, played right, but my most proud of, and I might trigger the guy I played against. I'm most proud of I bluffed a guy out of a couple hundred bucks. It wasn't because we either of us had got lucky or not. It was because I could tell based on the way he was sitting, the way he was looking, that he had something good, but he didn't know if it was the best. So what I did was I tried to exploit this by putting on the persona of being the best and bluffing, tricked him and he loses. Now you can say because there's wagering money, it was gambling, but I wasn't gambling. I did not gamble. It did not matter what cards I had beneath my hand. What mattered was that my skills in determining what he felt and what he thought were better. And I was able to exploit, exploit that and win a game. Simply put, in poker, you can be dealt the worst cards and win the biggest pots if you know how to play. That's not gambling. I suppose the issue is it's a game where you wager money in a, in, for, for cash in real time. But while the money wagering may be higher... I don't understand how someone could enter any other tournament based on skill, wagering tons of money. I mean, there there are contests where it's like a $1,000 entry fee for a physical sporting event, and you're hoping that, say, in skateboarding, it's like the entry fee is $1,000 for a top level event, and you're like, I hope they include this obstacle. I'm so good at Oh, no, I didn't. You can only apply your skills the way you can apply your skills. I understand there's a slight difference, but I stand on my argument. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. And this is what happens. It's a horrifying story. The simple version is that a young teenager was being bullied, falsely accused of serious criminal activity and impropriety, I guess as a means of torturing the kid. And everyone started sharing it and everyone started saying it. The accusation was, of course, false. But unfortunately, the school didn't do enough. They admit it. The simple version of this story A 17-year-old was falsely accused and then took his own life. Let me read this one for you. Top $76,000 a year. New Jersey boarding school admits more should have been done to stop bullying of boy 17 who took his own life after being falsely accused of rape for a year by cruel peers. They say Jack Reed, 17, attended the Lawrenceville school between Trenton and Princeton where tuition is $76,000 a year. He died on April 30th, 2022, but in the 12 months leading up to his death, he had become the victim of a vicious bullying campaign that consisted of cruel and malicious rumors that labeled him as a campus rapist. The rumors were made up by fellow students and and were said to Jack, both in person and posted anonymously online, thereby spreading the story beyond the campus walls. During a secret Santa gift exchange among his classmates, Jack was gift, given a rape whistle together with a book about how to make friends. Crazy, man. Although school staff were made aware of the bullying, the school has now uh, uh, made an extraordinary admission of failure. There were steps the school should, in hindsight, have taken but did not. Most damning of all is the fact the school did not make a public or private statement that it had, in fact, investigated the rape and found the rumors about Jack and the entire story was completely untrue. Neither Jack nor his parents were ever told that he'd been exonerated over the claims. The school's officials have now admitted that they were aware of the bullying, but fell short in their obligation to protect him. And a frank, honest, and heart-wrenching admission to the school, which ranks among the nation's top boarding schools, believes Jack's death could have been prevented, and stated how there were also circumstances in which the involvement of an adult would have made a difference. Yikes, man. So they did a memorial for him. Quote, as we seek to improve as a community. We have examined our role and take responsibility for what we could have done differently. Lawrenceville's top priority is the physical. I do not even want to read this garbage. Screw these people, man. You know, it gets me thinking about Brett Kavanaugh and how mad he was and how distraught he was after being falsely accused of 30 years ago, throwing a woman on the bed and jumping on top of her before falling off the bed and rolling away. And that was it. And then came the psychotic cult-like behavior from these insane people. That's what the left is. And you know what? We forget about it all too easily. When they accused Brett Kavanaugh of, whole, of being party to gang rape parties on campus. That's what they claimed. It's all fake. It's all made up. And it started with a woman who lied and said that he pinned her to a bed or something like that. And when he got mad and said, this is insane, they took screenshots of his angry face yelling and they said, look at this pig because they're they're nuts. This is what they do. When are people going to realize? But I guess the issue is it's like a hornet's nest. The woke cult, the Democratic Party and everyone they support, they're algorithmically deranged cultists who will say whatever to get clicks to be a part of that swarm. It's a zombie horde. Jack was universally regarded as an extremely kind and good-hearted young man with an unwavering sense of social and civic responsibility and a bright future. We continue to mourn his loss. The school wrote in a statement noting how a settlement had been reached with the parents. The agreement requires the school which hosts 830 students to undertake a series of corrective actions, including creating a new dean's position that will focus on mental health issues with the goal of becoming a modern model for anti-bullying and student mental health. You know what? I got to say, they should have pulled him out of that school. I mean, there's not much you can do when people lie about you and make up insane stories to destroy your life and then everyone else piles on. How insane is that? We feel like we both have life sentences without the possibility of parole. Jack's mother, a clinical psychologist at the New York Times, the only thing I'd love to change here is to get Jack back. I can't. I do know if he were alive, he would want me, both of us, to try to make something good out of this and honor him in a way he lived in the way he lived his life. We think bullying with the 1000 times echo chamber of the Internet and everybody is knowing is much more devastating to kids. And in Jack's case, produced a very impulsive act. He had to escape the pain from the humil- humiliation he was feeling. The school explained how after a student who previously had been disciplined for bullying Jack was expelled for an unrelated violation of school rules, Jack was allowed to return to the school but was left largely unsupervised where students gathered. Some harsh words were said about Jack. The school revealed, adding the administrators did not notify or check on Jack once he was back on campus. Later that night, Jack, who was a Dean's List student, took his own life, telling a friend that he could not go through the ordeal again. He had a Bible in one pocket of the gym shorts as well as, of his gym shorts, as well as a note directing his parents to a Google document in which he described his helplessness. Man, that's so brutal. The school acknowledges that bullying and unkind behavior and actions taken or, uh, or not by the school likely contributed to Jack's death. We acknowledge that more should have been done. So how much of this are we going to tolerate? I mean, it was a, mu- it was a much bigger uh, issue several years ago when the woke cult was latching on to false accusations. This was their zombie horde fixation. Now their zombie horde fixation seems to be trans issues, but they're pursuing that. But this is why we can't be party to the hornet's nest, and we have to actively stop that viral plague of woke zombie mind virus. Elon Musk went on Bill Maher. It was cool to see. He spoke about the importance of free speech, and he said one of the most important things. I mean, free speech only matters when it's speech you don't like. If you like the speech, nobody cares. There's no question. Free speech is specifically about the speech you don't like. And he was asked about the woke woke mind virus, and I don't feel like he gave a very strong answer. He didn't break it down for these people what it is. And what it is is simply adherence to social orthodoxy. There is the unorthodox, there's the heterodox, there's the orthodoxy. You and I were the heterodox. We are those who eschew establishment narratives and seek understanding and want to make sure fact check before taking actions. But the modern dominant culture in this country, the social orthodoxy breeds wokeness. Now, the particulars of wokeness like critical gender theory, race theory, etc., are products of algorithmic psychosis. An AI feedback looping insane ideas and amplifying them 1000 fold over and over again, spitting them up as crazy as possible. And there are those of us that are trapped inside that acceleration machine and those that aren't. The woke people desperately want to adhere to social orthodoxy. So they will say whatever psychotic and insane garbage is coming out of the Internet. You know what? A few years ago it was a whole bunch of false accusations. This day, it's like critical gender theory, I think. We had the period where critical race theory was at a few years ago. My, how leftist orthodoxy just shifts around like crazy. So what happens when all of that hyper focuses on one teenager? This. And that's why we have innocent until proven guilty. That's why we say don't jump to conclusions and why we don't support ridiculous leftist mobs, because this is what they do. They lie. And then everyone else piles onto the lie for power. Like with Brett Kavanaugh, in this instance, it took a child's life, a young man. He was 17. They say following his suicide, the school school's board of trustees hired the law firm Patrillo, Klein and Boxer to investigate the circumstances around his death. The investigation included interviews with 45 students, faculty members and others, together with the review of more than 100 emails from students and school personnel, Jack's personal emails, phone records, texts, Internet searches. We said from the beginning, let's seek the truth and follow it. And that's what we tried to do every step of the way. He added, this happened on my watch and I'm grief-stricken. The schools say they are to introduce meaningful changes that will support the school's aspirations of becoming a model for anti-bullying. The settlement agreement and the school's admission of responsibility are aimed at honoring Jack. The admission is particularly rare. The Raids hope that something good can come out of their son's death by raising awareness of bullying, mental health, and suicide prevention. While at Lawrenceville, Jack was recognized as a leader by his peers and served as president of Dickinson House, one of the residential homes of the school. He also ran in the cross country and track teams and loved singing in choir groups. You know, probably happened. Some leftists made the story up for clout because they don't care about you because they're NPCs. They're zombies. This is what they do. They post lies on the Internet all day, every day. Hey, this person will probably make a great journalist, right? Go work for the Washington Post. That's what they do. Yasher Ali published a story about Steven Crowder that appears to be taking tons of things out of context and smearing him in the worst possible interpretation of what the video set shows. And of course, the people who don't like Crowder are more than happy to jump on that and push the narrative and accuse Crowder of being the villain. It's a viral video of one argument. I don't care to get into full, the full details other than to point out it seems like Yasher was just publishing gossip garbage nonsense. And a lot of people are saying, oh, stop defending Crowder. I'm not here to defend Crowder. I'm here to say, watch the video and read what he wrote. And there's, it, is, it is incongruous. I'll just put it simply. You can, by all means, be mad at Crowder and think he's a bad guy. I don't care. Fine. I'm just saying, these journalists, they lie, they smear, and they cheat. They're smear merchants. This is, this is what we're seeing now. People go on social media. They want clout. They spread the story to get the clicks. And then everyone riles around it. And then some kid loses his life. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I'll see you all shortly. Rockstar Paul Stanley slams parents who confuse children about gender identity. And you know what? Dee Snyder apparently chimed in as well. Dee Snyder, the rockstar, also saying that he agrees. Here's the statement from Paul Stanley. My thoughts on what I'm seeing. Let me give you a little bit of context here. This is KISS co-founder Paul Stanley criticized parents who say who he says confuse their children about sexuality and gender while branding child sex changes a sad and dangerous fad. He is uh, pictured above performing, has criticized parents, et cetera, et cetera. There you go. That's what he looks like. Let's read his statement. He says there's a big difference between teaching acceptance and normalizing and even encouraging participation in a lifestyle that confuses young children into questioning their sexual identification as though some sort of gain and then parents, in some cases, allow it. There are individuals who, as adults, may decide reassignment is their needed choice. But turning this into a game or parents normalizing it as some sort of natural alternative or believing that because a little boy likes to play dress up in his sister's clothes or as, or a girl in her brother's, we should lead them steps further down a path that's far from the innocence of what they are doing. With many children who have no real sense of sexuality or sexual experiences caught up in the fun of using pronouns and saying what they identify as, some adults mistakenly confuse teaching acceptance with normalizing and encouraging a situation that has been a struggle for those truly effective and have turned it into a sad and dangerous fad. I think he's right. And D. Snyder says, you know what? There was a time when where I felt pretty too. Glad my parents didn't jump to any rash conclusions. Well said, Paul Stanley. uh Oh, this is an extremely bad take. Trans children who are not accepted may not live to become adults. Someone responds, this is what's called emotional manipulation. I will only say that over in Europe, they've basically abandoned this practice. They've uh, they've ended it. So it's good to see that there are prominent individuals now coming out and saying no. They say the post on social media pr- platform comes as debates about controversial topic have raged across the US, with several states weighing up laws that will either restrict or protect the rights of transgender people. Full stop. Taking a child from their parents bringing them to a state like Washington, where you then perform a life altering procedure in which they will never be allowed or capable. I should say never be able, not allowed, but able to reproduce. I don't know if that's uh, protecting anyone's rights. I don't I don't I don't think that's protecting anyone's rights. I think that's stealing the rights from a child. The post uh, comes as a debate within hours of his post on the social platform. It had garnered millions of views and prompted praise and backlash from users across the platform. Supporters of Stanley's statement applauded him for posting it, with several people replying to his post thanking him for joining the debate and taking a stance. I will tell you, man, I think Donald Trump, I think DeSantis, I think whoever's running as a Republican should absolutely turn this into a major platform position. And they should say something like, I think that we must ensure the rights of transgender people. And we should also ban outright child sex change surgery. And then you wait. You know why? Because the Democrats will come out and start screaming, demanding child sex change surgeries be allowed. And you know what's going to happen is moderates and regular people are going to go, what? Because I'll tell you, you know, these people on Twitter, these leftists, like say, go touch grass because these people are terminally online. They tell you to go touch grass. Oh, I do. I go out and I hang out, you know, at a bar or restaurant or, as I like to mention, pool halls in the poker club. And you know what I hear a lot of? People don't like Biden. People don't like Bud Light. But the Bud Light thing really started shining a light on these issues. I talk to regular people and say they're voting Democrat. I'll be like, I just can't get behind the child sex change thing. And they go, what are you talking about? And I'll be like, look, I don't I understand if you don't like Trump, but Joe Biden wanting sex changes for kids. I don't. Know, I couldn't do it. And they're like, "That's not true. You're making that up." That's out. And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, huh? Here, yeah, are we talking about? I mean, I, you didn't know this? I don't know. Google it. Don't get mad at me. I, I whatever. This is what you get. You get hostility. You get angry people. But you know what? Let's put it on the forefront. Let's make them talk about it. Because what were they doing when we started saying like, "Hey, you shouldn't give teen girls double mastectomies." The trans activists on the left said, no one is. You're lying. It doesn't happen. And people believed it. And they said the far right's making up lies about child sex change surgery. But now we know that it's happening. My favorite right now is that Ron DeSantis bans adult lewd imagery from school classrooms and libraries. And the left says he's banning books because they're evil. (laughs) And then Nikki Freed, who's running against Ron DeSantis, called it butt plug porn. Now I see the left all coming out. Sorry, you can't have the Democrat running against Ron DeSantis, call it what it is, and then you get to feign like you didn't know that's what you were putting in front of these children. The problem is the goal of the sick, the, the sick psychos is to manipulate regular people into not really knowing what's going on. uh, Do I sit before you here today so that there are millions of kids getting sex change surgeries? Of course not. In terms of surgeries, I think it's in the thousands. And in terms of medical intervention, it's in the tens of thousands. And that's bad. And for some reason, the left comes out and screams how important it is to make sure children get sex changes. It's almost like a, a, a mirror monster. Like. You know, conservatives hear that a couple of girls got their their breasts removed over identity issues, which I don't I think is completely completely wrong. And then uh, the left is forced to double down and defend the process of child sex changes because they have to be against whatever we are for. And I'm not a conservative. I say it all the time. I'm a traditional liberal, uh, grew up in Chicago, fairly traditionally liberal views Child sex changes were never one of them. Yeah. But for the left, it's like you have to support it. Otherwise, you're not really a Democrat. You're really far right. They say others referred to uh, Stanley and uh, and Kiss performing songs about sexualizing underage girls, such as the song Christine 16. They say that they made their career with flamboyant makeup and clothing relevant on account of much of the debate around trans rights. Wearing makeup is not being trans. Drag performances is not being trans. They're conflating all of these things. It's not clear what prompted Stanley's post. Reporting on a statement, Rolling Stone magazine wrote, what was clear from a statement was that he had incorrectly conflated sexuality and gender. Oh, here we go. You see how evil these people are? I will say it again. These people are as evil as they come. You say we want female sports. Anyone can be female if they identify as such. I thought you said that male and female were not genders, but sexes. They will go back and forth to manipulate you. It's the game they're playing. The Music magazine pointed out that these develop independently and shared guidance outlined by the Mayo Clinic. People communicate their gender to others through gender expression. This may be done through mannerisms, clothing and hairstyles. Gender identity developed separately from sexual orientation. What does it What does it have to do with anything that he said? It's sophistry. They are attempting to shield and manipulate. But what's happening now is more and more prominent individuals are coming out and saying, no, stop doing this. There's a problem, though. You know, I was playing that game um, Horizon Forbidden West. Horizon Zero Dawn. Amazing game. Horizon Forbidden West. Horrible. Horizon Burning Shores, horrible. Now, hold on. They're great games. Stories, horrible. But here's what I'll bring up the one thing I don't care about, I'll I'll rag on the game in a second. But like the big reveal that um, the main character, the woman, is actually gay. And I'm like, why? We don't need a storied love interest from the past of this character. It makes no sense. So basically, it's like in the game, you're the clone of a scientist from a thousand years before who was a lesbian or something. But like, that's not relevant to a good, strong female character uh, is, is like like you want to make a game where a, where a woman can relate to the person they're playing. They want to make a game women can play, too. But women aren't all gay. It's fine if they are. But now you're making a character that's only relatable to like a small percentage of women. If you want to make a game that does that fun, whatever. I just understand why you had to include it at all. Just make the character be a strong character. Let people think what they want to think. But I'll tell you why I think that game is bad, just as a aside, because I really want to say this. You're the villain. You're the villain. Long story short, you just go and, and kill a bunch of people. It's like actually a fairly leftist game. Basically, the earth is destroyed. Spoiler alerts, by the way. I won't spoil the new expansion that just came out. I'll spoil the second game, which came out like a while ago. the uh, uh, The earth is destroyed in a calamity. Big machines terraform the planet. In the latest game, humans who escaped the earth fort collapse to come back seeking AI to terraform another planet and you kill them all. You just, you kill them all. And they're not even the main bad guy, but that's the game. But they are like nasty people, but it's like you play the character as like the last vestige of human technology. Let's kill them all. I'm like, man, you really are the villain in that one. Anyway, I digress. What were we talking about? Oh yeah. Paul Stanley. I'm glad he's coming out and speaking out about this. I'm glad more and more people are standing up and speaking out about this because we need prominent individuals, personalities and celebrities to come out and set the tone right on culture. And you know what? I'm hearing more and more famous people are willing to stand up and speak out for what's right because we are winning. And the Bud Light thing is one of the most important things. It shows you're not alone. And now that people feel based on the Bud Light boycott and the failures of Anheuser-Busch, uh-oh, y'all are on the wrong side of history. You better come over here before it's too late, you zombie weirdos. But I'll take it. These guys, these guys, Nah, they're leaders. They're speaking out. Good for them. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for, I'm sorry, youtube.com slash timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see y'all then.